0: And this is the final week of the year and the final week for you to take advantage of a reduced price in any of the alpha male courses that are on the website beginning Monday. And actually, if you're listening to this podcast after the weekend, it may already be too late, but at beginning Monday, uh, January 2nd, the prices will return to their regular rate. However, and I'm going to say this to all of you guys out there, if you're a student in the Academy, you have access to all the courses. So if you want to get access to any of the courses, Then I recommend you just enroll in the academy and then you get access to all of the courses as well as the academy itself. It's just a thought that I want to pass on to you before the completion of the year and moving into 2023, which, like I say, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it already may be 2023. So welcome to the new year. And today I'm going to talk about desire as a vibration as a low vibrational energy that exists in the astral plane. This is actually a part two to the podcast episode that came out a couple of weeks ago around commitment and devotion. And brothers, the reason why this is a part two, I'm going to explain at the end of this podcast, because these energies, these triplet of energies, they're always in pairs. So again, like there's all this uh, synergy and similarity and synchronicity that's happening in the outer world, the fractal outer world, where there's always order in chaos and chaos in order, and in the micro world, where once again we're always finding order in what appears to what appears to be chaos. So, are you freaked out? Like, first of all, it's the question: Are you freaked out? Like, are you? Some of you freaked out about what I said a couple weeks ago around commitment and devotion, and because I want to ask that. If you are, you know, it's okay. it's okay. If you listen to that podcast, you're like, Whoa, what just happened? Like this is completely wild. This is completely, um, esoteric. Like this is just a wild thing that I just, I just listened to. And if you're not freaked out, then I'm going to say that. I hope you understand what I said, because really when it comes to blind devotion to the moment, when it comes to commitment to what's happening now, or even blind devotion to a relationship, even if you think about that, that's a terrifying thing to the mind. Okay, it's very terrifying for the ego, for the beta condition, that really just wants to protect itself. You know, the beta condition just wants to protect its own fears, its own distortions, its own perspective, its own illusions. That's why we have things like arguments. That's why we have things like blaming. That's why we have things that are basically just projections of our ego onto other people, onto our relationships. And brothers, I'm not even certain that the mind can grasp what I was talking about a couple weeks ago, logically or intellectually, because commitment and devotion has to come from the heart. On my... Flight, a couple weeks ago when I left Puerto Rico and I returned to Oregon to visit my family for Christmas, I watched a movie called Free Solo, which is a documentary about Alex Honnold and his free solo ascent of El Capitan in um, Yosemite National Park back in 2017. Now, brothers, if you don't know what a free solo ascent means, it means it basically he climbed this rock face with no ropes, okay, just his hands and feet, nothing to save him if he fell. That's a pretty extreme sport. I mean, look, like it, people die doing this sport, obviously, right? I mean, you can die from 30 feet up. And this guy climbed the, the entire height of El Capitan, which is, you know, a couple thousand feet into the air. And if you haven't seen the documentary, I recommend it both for its entertainment value, it's very well put together, but as well as being an example of commitment and devotion. Kind of like what I was saying last, last couple of weeks on the podcast. Now, what's wild is that I flew, I got on this flight and saw this documentary after I'd already recorded this podcast. Otherwise, I'd be mentioning all this in the podcast a couple weeks ago and I won't ruin the movie for you, but I'm going to say that this man has what I'm talking about when it comes to devotion. It's a pure blind devotion to a single experience. You know, his lifestyle reflects that devotion in so many ways, so much so that even the possibility of death is seen as just an outcome, right? It's an outcome of what's, of what, of what could possibly happen. It's not a barrier. So many of us look at death as like a barrier. Right? We look at death as a barrier. Like, I won't do something that I could possibly die doing. And that's kind of a reflection of our lack of devotion, right? It shows our half-heartedness in whatever it is that we're taking on, whether it's the relationship or the job or whatever. Because even in relationships, we fear that ego death, right? We fear being wrong. We fear being taken advantage of or or being put down or, or even abandoned, right? Rejected. That's another thing we fear in relationships. And that's a part of the ego death. And so a lot of times we enter into relationships or or activities, events, half-hearted because of exactly that. And for Alex, the devotion was so pure that the very high possibility of his death did not stop him in pursuing what he is devoted to. It's a very fascinating movie. It's inspiring and enlightening, to say the least, and I highly recommend it. Um, You know, I don't know if it's on Netflix or whatever, but it's called Free Solo. All right, brothers, over the course of my life, I've been seeking, right? What I've been seeking is really the question— even though my mind has provided several answers, right? It began with external, you know, the desire for money, the desire for wealth, desire for women, desire for fame, notoriety, power, control, relationships, uh, leadership. And then it starts to shift, you know, as you get older, there's this desire, this seeking starts to shift. And then you desire confidence, right? Desire stability, security, safety, groundedness, assertiveness, you know, whatever. Because you realize it's not about the external, it's about the internal. And then as the deeper I go, the more it shifts, right? Because now it's like love and connection and truth and beauty and presence. Like there's still this desire for something, right? And I realize now that every seeker is really only seeking one thing. And that's the ending of the seeking itself. You know, we're, what we're really seeking is the ending of the seeking. That's what we really want, The surrender. We want to surrender to the fabric of energy that is love itself, right? energy itself, consciousness itself. And in this realization, there exists another paradox that desire will never end. And yet we are all seeking an ending to it. That's the human lesson, right? That's why we're here. We're here to experience this. Essentially, we're all seeking death, right? We're all seeking the end of our seeking while at the same time, death is this incredibly terrifying thing, right? That's another paradox. And you'll come to find that the spiritual path is full of paradoxes because it is the way of the heart. Not only the mind needs to be needs to have conclusions and answers, right? The heart is okay with paradoxes. And this is why those of you who have entered the spiritual journey are generally those who've experienced some state of ego death and know what lies beyond the constructs of the mind and the matrix. Now, brothers, when it comes to low vibrations, I think the desire as a low vibration is one that we all struggle with, right? All humans. Every lower vibration is going to be rooted in some kind of unfulfilled longing. Or desire. And every low vibration is a pattern that emerges out of this unfulfilled moment in an attempt to try to fix or do something about it, right? Like, we're just unsatisfied in the moment. That's kind of what the desire comes from. We want to escape the now. We experience desire as a low vibration that says, I desire something else. Like, that's kind of the foundation of it. I desire something other than what is, right? I desire something better. That my mind is created as better, right? It's no real better, but this is the mind that comes in, the desires that pulls us out of this moment. I desire something that I think will make me happy. I desire someone else, right? I desire something that someone else has, and I want it too. Like my neighbor has a range Rover, and now I desire that. I see it and I want it. right? I desire something that I, to- I am told will make me whole or complete. That's kind of like that's, those are kind of like the foundational thoughts, the foundational cognitions around desire. It comes from, you know, comparison and and separation and and all these other lower vibration things. So desire, obviously, is a component of being human. And you can let go of thinking that you don't have desires because you do. Every human does. And you can let go of thinking that desire is a bad thing. And you can let go of thinking that you're never going to transmute your desire because I'm going to talk about that today on this podcast episode, because this is a collective human vibration. And just like all low vibrations, it is required for our evolution. Brothers, deep within the matrix of the DNA molecules lies a vital code that is generally responsible for the building of what we experience as human civilization, right? We have named it desire, this code, but really it's just an energy that moves us. It's a vibration that agitates us. It agitates us for something new, some new experience, something different, usually when we think about desire. We think first of sexual desire, right? In fact, even desire sometimes has this connotation to only be around sex, like to desire something is desired sexually. But this is a very narrow view of desire. It's actually just one aspect of desire. To really understand desire, we have to strip it down to its essence, (laughs) which is ultimately my job, right? Right, brothers? I mean, that's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm doing with this podcast, Transmitting Complexity into Simplicity. And to find the quintessence of desire, we must detach the force of desire from its projection into the world. We We want to detach what is the desire of? What are we desiring for? What is desire itself? Desire as a vibration has no specific aim. It has no specific goal. It is purely the genetic hunger of the collective. Desire alone is not responsible for our individual survival, like so many of the other low vibrations are. If you remember the low vibrations that are inward vibrations you know, They're a personal survival where the higher vibrations are service and the highest vibration is surrender. But that lower survival, it builds the victim mentality and it expresses itself as selfishness. But brothers, the quintessence of desire does not influence individuality at all. If anything, desire is far more likely to get us killed than it is to protect us, right, in terms of being a survival, low vibration. Desire serves a far wider purpose when it's viewed from a collective genetic standpoint, because the real purpose of this low vibration is to get humans to make mistakes so that we can evolve. That's what desire is around for. And let me, let me rephrase that a little bit. Desire does not deserve the individual, right? It does not serve the individual. Desire does not serve you because it's going to lead you to mistakes, right? It takes you off the path as an individual, as a low vibration. However, it does teach us something valuable at the collective level because we learn from each other's mistakes. And again, Not individually, but collectively, right? Because I'm not going to say that I'm going to learn from your mistakes. You know, you may make a mistake and then I'll watch it and say, oh, I need to experience that too. So I'm just going to go and do the same thing, right? I'm not saying that you'll learn from my mistakes or I'll learn from your mistakes. However, what I'm saying is that when a hundred people and a thousand people and a million people make the same mistakes over generations, we as a species begin to understand and filter out what is undesirable in our human experience. And this is what drives our evolution. And I think that there are obvious examples of this, right? I'm not going to name a bunch of them, but I'll say that they've probably started date way, way back in the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments are essentially what we've learned from following through on our desires, right? We have these desires, we execute them. And when millions of people follow through on these desires, we begin to learn that this is undesirable for humanity. Right. And that's that's where it began. And and I think even as recent, we're still evolving because as recently as having parental controls on the TV and the Internet, we realize that here's the Internet with all of these things and there are some undesirable things for our species. So now we have these ways of putting control on putting the parental, parental controls on it, because in order for human beings to master their environment, brothers, look, this is what you need to know. In order for us to master our environment, we have to taste all aspects of experience. This is why there's no bad things that are happening in the world. This is why everything that happens is a good thing. Like, I know that that's a weird paradigm to understand. Like, that's a weird thought to say that, well, what do you mean? Like, even the wars are good? Like, even the, you know, like, even the things that happen, like, what do you say? Like, the bad things that happen to good people? You know, all of these things. Like, what about the bad stuff that's going on in the world? And I've said to you over and over that it's all good, right? Everything that's happening is happening good. It's happening for us. And this is what I mean. Because as a collective, we have to explore the darker sides of experience as well as the lighter sides. This is a part of our desire. Everything that is must be as it is. And this is the low vibration of desire in action the fact that individuals or even large populations are killed off is of no consequence to the awareness operating through the whole human gene pool. And I have gotten in trouble for saying that before. <laughs> People have said to me, whoa, wait a second. You're saying it's okay to have genocide and, 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 and war and you know mass destruction around the, around the globe? And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying it's required. It's a part of what is. And the reason why it's a part of what is is so that we can find it eventually undesirable brothers. We will move to a point in our evolutionary state of humanity where we will not have war anymore because we'll realize that war is not something we desire. It's just, we're going to learn to deal with our differences from a diplomatic standpoint because we're going to find out that over time war is undesirable. But right now we have to have it because we haven't learned that lesson yet. You understand? That's why it's good. That's why humans are expendable at the collective, right? Even whole populations, tribes, and races are expendable at the collective. But the humanity itself is not expendable. We will always move towards... Opening up, we will always move towards expansion and evolution. And like I say, this statement will probably be rejected by your mind. If you're listening through your mind, through your ego, you're probably very re- in, in a high state of agitation and resistance right now. But nevertheless, it is 100% true based on simple observations of our actions and inactions. We are living in an ongoing experience of everything. Everything must be experienced in order for everything to experience itself. That is the purpose of being. That love experiences love. That everything experiences everything. That energy experiences energy. We are programmed through the vibration of desire to learn and evolve through experience. So brothers, there is nothing that we can avoid experiencing. If there is anything that is still untried by humanity, then somewhere inside someone, the hunger of desire will begin to vibrate and Push them into trying it, no matter how impossible, how outlandish, or how depraved it may be. So desire can be many things, and it can take on so many forms. However, no matter which form it takes, it has this single similarity that it's a projection that's moving from the center outwards. It's coming from within you. It's not coming from the environment. What you see is not what you desire. The desire is the vibration within you. It's a seeking. It's a request. It's a leaning outward, whether through your heart, through your body, or through your mind, or through all three. It's a longing, an aching, a yearning for something that we feel we are lacking. Now, if desire is because of a lack we feel, then what's the most fundamental lack? And if we can find the deepest source of our desire, then we have the best chance of understanding it. Is it the desire to feel whole? To be somehow complete? Is it a desire to know who we are and what we are? Is it a genetic imperative to bond and evolve? Or is it the desire for freedom? The desire to be free of suffering? The desire to find peace? Perhaps it's all of these things, but in its purest sense, I think we can just accept that it is a state of longing that's built into the machine itself. It's built into the matrix, it's matrix, matrix itself for the purpose of human evolution. It comes with the body to be experienced in the body, but it doesn't come with an instruction manual, right? Nobody's telling us how to deal with desire. And this is really the problem with desire because it happens unexpectedly and then we react or repress it. We see something and we want it. We hear something and we want it and we aren't looking for it. But suddenly there it is, the object of our desire. And when we really look into this situation, we realize it's actually us, not the object of our desire, right? It's never the circumstance. It's always the vibration itself. And so we get hooked by the temptations of the world. We get hooked up by the temptations of our senses. And here we have the dilemma. The dilemma is the temptation. It's something Oscar Wilde said. He said, I can resist everything except temptation. And it's true. Temptation is a tough one to deal with. The more we try to resist temptation, the more powerful it becomes. This is why it seems so hard to stop buffering or to end addictions and by the way, like I say, like you can get the course for how to stop buffering right now because it is a difficult thing. This is the essence of allowing emotions. This is what I'm talking about when I say allow your emotions, emotional ownership, allow your vibrations. Brothers, we have to remember this. This is the way of transformation, of transmutation. Is In essence, you have to give in to your temptation. You have to yield to it in order to transcend it. Now, I know that that probably sounds really dangerous to the beta. That sounds really like to the ego. It's like, whoa, would he just tell me to... To to watch the pornography? Did he just tell me to drink the alcohol and eat the sugar? Is that what is that what he's saying? And I'm not talking about just doing whatever you want. I'm talking about feeling whatever you feel. If you struggle with desire as a low vibration, then you need to contemplate desire. You need to really watch it and learn from it and grow through it. It's just a lens. It's just a it's just a filter that's distorting your your view of of the matrix of the field of love and not everyone has this as a lens. So when I say to yield to temptation, I don't mean it literally, (laughs) I mean, trust in it. I mean, trust in it, allow it, embrace it, but you don't ever have to act on it. Desires aren't bad brother. They're, they're neutral. They're just low vibrations. Low vibrations are vibrations. Nonetheless, the difference between a low vibration, and a high vibration is like the difference between red and purple. It's all just energy. You know, so as to look at vibrations as bad, to look at desire as bad, we're now in a a state of resistance. We're now in a state of pushing away. All desires, like all energies, are all from the source. They're all from the all-oneness. But that doesn't mean we have to act out everyone that comes along. That's the root of selfishness. That's the root of greed. And you have to see that desires are not the enemy. They are the guests. They're your friends. They come and they go. The alpha approach to cognitive mastery and emotional ownership is very generous. It's very gracious. It allows things in. It allows the vibrations into your body. It invites them in as guests, and it listens to them. It gives them a space to stay or to leave. It just watches. It just observes. And sometimes the desire does indeed get played out externally. Sometimes we do act on our desires, and sometimes we You know, the desire falls away and it returns back to the nothingness. It goes back to the invisible astral plane of energy, right? The wider your awareness becomes, the greater your cognitive mastery develops and the more room you give to your desires. But above all, brothers, we're here to learn from them. We're not here to avoid them or resist them or beat ourselves up for having them. We're here to learn from them. So the biggest problem with desire is always going to be in the mind because the mind can get a hold of a desire and it can blow it all out of proportion. It's going to tell you all kinds of stories about your desire. You know, the mind can fan a desire as the wind fans a flame. It just blows it out of proportion. It turns it into a raging forest fire when it was really just a candle. And to be especially vigilant as far as your mind and desires are concerned, that's what's required here. That's cognitive mastery. And there's a big difference I want to also add between desire and need the body has needs, right? Our body needs to have food, needs temperature regulation. But desire is a craving for something that we really don't need. And the Buddha, for example, always suggests honoring needs, but lessening desires, right? Honoring your need to eat, go eat, honoring your need for for comfort, right? To be indoors in a building, not out in the rain and in the cold. But when it comes to desire, We need to lessen these. We need to watch these very carefully. And if you really watch your mind carefully, you'll see that's the mind that's always the culprit, because without your mind, there would be no desires that last. You know, we'd basically be acting purely instinctual like the animals of the earth. So we are grateful for desire, and that evolves us and our humanity collectively, right? It brings us into our humanness. And yet, we also have to be vigilant of desire as it can lead us down a dark path individually. Now, brothers, as I said, we don't want to repress or react to desire, right? Because when desire is repressed, our life force is also repressed. And this leads to a stiffening of the self, right? It can lead to a stiffening of the body, a stiffening of our emotions, or or a stiffening of our mind. We can become very mentally rigid. And we begin to take life too seriously. Desire equates to the element of fire and passion. So when it isn't allowed to burn within us, our inner fire kind of fizzles out. This is clearly observed in repressive societies and repressive religions. Overseriousness manifests through religion itself, which is always imposing moral laws over the top of our natural desires. I would even add that, and as a very bold statement, that human civilization has repressed desire and become over-serious. Our entire civilization is a serious civilization. We become over serious with everything. I mean, just look at the faces of the people around you. Maybe look at your own face. How serious are people? How serious are people as they drive to work, as they listen to the news, as they sit in their cubicles, as they, you know, work with their television or their hobbies? Like how serious are people now? It's a trademark of our modern world. And the fear that arises from desire is a fear of being burned out by our feelings, right? The collective fear that has been repressed at the collective level. You know, the collective fear is don't trust your feelings. Don't trust what you feel. You know, listen to your mind. Your feelings will lie to you, right? That's kind of what is being said out there. Don't trust the way you feel. In fact, feelings, being an emotional being has always been kind of laughed at. It's kind of been downplayed, saying to listen to your emotions means to listen to this up and down sort of roller coaster. And it's it's not reliable. You should always follow your mind. But true feelings unleashed on a collective level, if we were to act on all of our feelings, might lead to anarchy, right? It leads to this chaos. And this is the fear that is held in check by the repression, by the over seriousness. And yet, ironically, which is so fascinating, anarchy is not something that can be held in check. It's a part of our human experience. It's act—it's happening all over the world, just like over seriousness is happening all over the world. And of course, there's the flip side to this, right? So if we had the repressive side, the resisting of desire, there's also the reacting to desire, the other extreme of desire, which is simply act out all your desires onto the projection. It's just to just use the world as a place to just simply live out your desire. And just as the repressive nature wants to end desire by controlling it, the reactive nature wants to end desire through exhausting it. Right. If I could just do everything I desire, then I won't have this desire anymore. But that's, of course, not true, because once your desire is fulfilled, another one pops right back up. So the obviously result of this is going to be leading to addictions. It's going to be leading to a burnout, a burnout of your fire within. It's like an overfire, an overheating that just burns itself out by totally externalizing all desires. You become the victim of desire. This is why it's a maintaining of the lower vibration, that victim mentality, that that uh, vibration of survival. And both extremes are living within the low vibration. One is living in repression. The other is living in reaction. So here's the paradox, (laughs) right, brothers? If I repress my desire, I live in its low vibration of repression, which is over seriousness. If I react to my desire, I live in the low vibration of reaction, which is flippancy. So what do I do? Do I repress my desire? Do I hold it back with control and over seriousness? Or do I just let it free? Do I just act on all my desires? Which is to basically live in a state of flippancy. And there are two possible responses to a paradox, right? Two ways that the mind can choose to go. One is to become tense and remain stuck, right? Which is that I'm confused state, right? I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not going to act. I'm not going to do anything because I just don't get it. <laughs> but the other is to surrender. And the mind has difficulty with paradoxes because it can't handle them. It can only resolve things through logical reasoning. The higher mind, the alpha state, which is really just your true awareness operating outside of your brain and body, right? It's your astral self. The alpha state, it loves paradoxes because it knows that they represent the truth. Brothers, when you surrender to the helplessness of being a human being, something remarkable occurs. It's a transmutation within your DNA. You experience a shift in your frequency and you transmute the low vibration of desire into a high vibration. You begin to lighten up. You lighten up. You realize that this is just a playground. This is just a place to enjoy, not through your desire, but through your commitment. And this is the pairing. Because the human mind is so incredibly serious about life, it just wants to understand and control existence, right? That's the human mind. This higher frequency that comes from surrender, it's a new operating frequency for humanity. And it really involves an inner surrender that cannot be forced and it cannot be faked. And there you have it. The real purpose of desire is here to purify us desire in itself obviously doesn't purify us right if you just react to your desire it's not going to purify it purify you it's just going to keep you in that state of always reacting it re- what what desire really does is it reminds us there are higher vibrations by standing in the way of those vibrations that's what all of the low vibrations do they remind us that there is something beyond they're basically seeds that create the plant within every acorn is an oak tree that's what the that's what the acorn reminds us of that there's an oak tree out there So there's a process of purification in this higher vibration, the vibration of lightness, because that's the quality that you need to begin transcending and transmuting desire. Brothers, we rise and we fall in life. Sometimes we're flying and sometimes we're dragging. The thing is, you have to see that desire isn't unholy. It isn't wrong. Brothers, I've said from the very beginning, there is no holy and there is no unholy. There's no right and there's no wrong. It's what creates heaviness and guilt. This idea of duality, this rightness and wrongness. Lightness is when you can look at desire with equanimity. You know, you can just, you just know it's there. So you have to follow a desire into the world and then realize that it's not fulfilling you. (laughs) And in fact, you've lost something through following it. That's, and, and then that you know that it's not something to worry about. Follow your desire, see how it feels, realize you've lost something, And then don't dwell on it, right? Brothers, you just have to see that it was a part of your journey and that you needed it. You needed to be reminded and lightness is the reminder. It's the field that lies behind desire. Lightness is generous. It's accepting. It's forgiving. It's gracious. It appreciates the juiciness, right? The vibration of what it means to feel desire, but it also sees the futility in it. Brothers, we have to embrace the gift of lightness. We become... When, because when we do, we become less caught up in the desire to gain what our mind tells us we lack. We begin to purify our nature by releasing ourselves from the mind's influence. and then the desire emerges, but it's simply fuel, right? It's simply that that, that energy that we, that we transmute from from its, from its potential to its kinetic. And our awareness begins to refine that fuel. And as it becomes refined, it becomes higher fuel, right? It, it moves from like, from like car fuel to rocket fuel, you know, from like um, octane of 97 to, to JP5, what they got, you know, in the, in the F-18s. It's a higher version. And instead of feeding our lower bodies, it begins to feed and fuel our higher, more subtle bodies, right? This is the alchemy. This is the transmutation process, the mystery of releasing the kinetic energy stored up that's as potential energy. And we begin to feel lighter with this higher vibration. We're able to release the guilt around temptation and we begin to use desire to serve a higher goal and a higher purpose. So the gift of lightness comes on gradually. If you come in with this vibration as a part of your energetic blueprint, then it means you have some deep work to do in this area. Brothers, I have this as a part of my energetic blueprint. It's part of the reasons why I'm bringing it to you on this podcast. It's something I work with. I've worked with desire my entire life. I've had to understand and transmute my desires. And that work has led me down a very interesting and colorful life, <laughs> as, you, as many of you know. And I've learned to give myself a high, high dose of self-forgiveness and compassion. And brothers, it may take a while for you. It took a while for me. But over time, you will feel lighter and you will be able to see the futility of desire and the beauty of desire at the same time. And then you can be more refined in how you approach desire. It won't rack your body. It won't steal all your energy, and it won't make you feel depressed or frustrated or guilty. You know, purity is not what people think. In the West, we have this distorted view of purity. You know, we come into this world impure, and we need to cleanse ourselves of our sins in order to be pure, purify ourselves, right? Like, that's kind of the Western version of purity, you know, that we need to be purified. But true purification is about seeing that you are already a pure soul. It's about self-forgiveness. It's also about being responsible for your own behavior and consequences, and following a desire to its conclusion, you know, it may cause others pain. It may it causes others a great deal of pain and this will create a wave of crisis in your life and you then have to process all of that to see deeper into yourself and it can be a revelation. This can be your transmutation and I can't say it's an easy process. I personally found it to be one of the greatest challenges in my life. I suspect many of you are probably the same that every challenge is where you find the gifts. That's where the gifts come from. And we do eventually feel a lift from the gift of lightness. And we begin to realize that what the Buddha said is actually great advice. Just lessen the influence of desire in your life. And don't try to do it all at once. (laughs) It's another part of learning in the academy is constraint. Constraint. It's just the long-term goal. And gradually over time, we feel the lightness coming and and it begins to lift us up into that other plane, that plane of our alpha state. And from there, we begin to be able to really serve and create something of enduring value. Now, as I said, desire is paired with half-heartedness. Lightness is paired with commitment and rapture. The highest vibration of desire is paired with devotion, the highest vibration of half heartedness, which I talked to you guys about a couple weeks ago, which is why I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast as well, because as we move into 2023 and the impossible goal or whatever you have planned for your future, I want you to understand these three energetic pairings and how they show up in our lives all the time. Because at the low vibrational level, we have desire and we have half-heartedness. And so often we begin something. It doesn't matter what is a goal or a task or a relationship or a job, you know, just something in the matrix. We just start something. And the desire, the vibration of desire takes us off course and we lose momentum and we stay half-hearted, right? We kind of dip in and we dip out. And many people are half-hearted in their relationships and many people are half-hearted in their jobs. And this is all because their desire just keeps pulling them out towards something else, something new, something with the promise of fulfillment. And when you do the work and transmute these paired energies, then you have the gifts of commitment and lightness, right? You move from desire and half-heartedness into commitment and lightness. And this is how light you feel when you are committed and you know you can stay the course even amidst desire. That's the higher vibration. Desire is not going away. It comes, but you feel the lightness and you're in your state of commitment. You're committed to the relationship. You're committed to the moment and you're committed to whatever is. And so in that commitment, you you stay in your lightness and just allow the desire to flow. That's the transmuted experience. That is the service to the whole. It's an example of lightness and commitment to the moment because you've learned to allow desire and it's empowerment. Empowerment. It's empowering. And then finally, we have the highest vibration from the energetic pair, which is devotion and rapture. And boy, what a pairing, brothers. This is such a vital pairing. Rapture can't exist without devotion. Rapture comes when all of your desires have been purified into a single overarching desire. And this is the analogy that's proved for us in nature. This is why nature and creation are so beautiful, because it's just showing us what's happening on the astral plane. (laughs) It's showing us what's happening in in the plane of emotions, because the low vibration is the seed. Right? Desire is the seed. And from the seed we get the tree which is the high vibration so from desire we get light lightness and then from the tree comes the fruit which is the highest vibration so from the tree we get the fruit of rapture and yet within the fruit lives the seed which is return to the low vibration and the seed within the fruit of rapture is desire and it's the desire to return to the source the yearning for the light for freedom from suffering and this is after all what All of our desires really are the desire to be free from suffering, the desire for God, whatever that means to you. You know, sometimes I just have to use the God word (laughs) because I think it's a word that we all understand, regardless of how we connotate it. I mean, let's be honest here, brothers. You're listening to this podcast because you're seeking God. You're seeking the source. You're you're yearning for that source. You're yearning for the light. You're yearning for the truth. You're yearning for a spiritual path. And when I spoke about blind devotion a couple weeks ago, this is what I meant. This is why devotion and rapture are paired energies. I have felt the rapture of gratitude during several plant medicine ceremonies. I'm grateful for gratitude. (laughs) And this rapture devoted me more deeply to the spiritual path. It burned off the illusion of ego and separation. This is why I love the Sufi mystics for their blind devotion and rapture of love. Rumi is a Sufi poet. I've quoted him many times on this podcast. You know, just reading his works alone or create a transformative state. I am you in love with yourself. It's such a beautiful thing to contemplate. Contemplate that statement. I am you in love with yourself. What an incredible perspective. The Sufis are very good in this area. They know all about devotion. You know, they simply say, become your longing, become your object of desire, become desire itself to realize how deep it goes and then to let it burn you and burn you until you're the fire with it. And rapture is to become possessed by your longing, to be devoted, to to, to be devoted to being possessed by it. (laughs) It's to become drunk with it. It's to let it burn you clean. You offer up your every desire to whatever it is. And you see everything that captivates your desire as a mirror of the one that you see. That when you seek, And because you offer it up, because you forego it on the external plane as an illusion only, the fuel elevates your consciousness. This is the rapture, the state of pure being that can only be realized with devotion and through lightness. Look at your life, brothers. Look around you and realize that everyone around you is God in disguise. Everyone around you is all here to teach us. To remind us that beneath our separation, beneath this facade, this illusion, we're all one rippling field of love, of divine rapture you know, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to close because I really feel this deeply. And you guys can tell, you can feel my, (laughs) you can feel probably a lot of my uh, rapture right now, right? Like how devoted I am to, to this, to this teaching, to this understanding, to, to elevating alphas. Because in the modern world, I believe the materialists, you know, those people who are locked on the worldly path, those betas out there, they need to be challenged. We need to challenge them. They, They need to be taken on, right? And I don't, I'm not talking about They need to be taken on like abusively. I'm not saying I wish them ill or I think they're bad people. I'm saying they need to be challenged in their heart. They need to be woken up. You know, I just wish for them to wake up so that they can embrace each other, so that we can all embrace each other, so we can repair the world, so that we can all be unified in the rapture of oneness and love. In the future genetic vehicle of humanity, rapture is going to cease to exist, brothers. It'll burn itself out. It has to burn itself out because it only has one purpose, which is to kill desire in order to bring in a new awareness. And when that new awareness arrives, there will be no left of a need for rapture. Rapture will just be the thing. We'll just all be in it. But devotion will not pass. It will not pass on with rapture because devotion will become the the basis of all human relationships and, in fact, entire communities. This is the future. However, today... We just need to focus on personal transformation. What we do in ourselves, what we do within ourselves, we do for all of humanity. This is the spiritual path. And welcome to 2023. I love you, brothers, and elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha. Your Guide to Shifting to the Alpha Mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.